Welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we are sitting down with Chris and Kyle, and we're going to discuss cloud versus on-prem. The smackdown is what we're going to call it today. Um, I'm going to kick it off by introducing the marketing gals on the podcast today, but we're also going to ask you guys, uh, while you're introducing yourself, tell us about your favorite cuisine. So I'm Tara, one of the marketing gals that you'll receive all the emails from. My favorite is my homemade shepherd's pie. And Kelsey, I'll kick it over to you. I was like, dang girl, that sounds good. And I love the whole marketing gals term. I'm here for it. I'm Kelsey, one of the marketing gals. Favorite cuisine, man. I'm boring. Can we say that chocolate is a favorite cuisine? Because if so, living for it 100%. But I'll pass the baton right on over to Chris. Thanks, Kelsey. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, I'm Chris Taylor, one of the founders of CIT. And for 28 years, I led the organization's or president CEO until I handed the reins over to Kyle, who will talk about his favorite cuisine next. But I think uh, my favorite cuisine is anything that has really good flavors, right? So I think, you know, I'm all about flavor. I'm all about um, creativity and flavor and fusion of flavor. So that's my my favorite cuisine. Kyle? That's a big list, man. That's a big list. Hi, <laughs> right, everyone. Well, I'm, I'm Kyle Ladder. As Chris mentioned, uh, I've uh, been at the organization uh, for 29 years. I was the chief technical officer before Chris uh, turned the reins over a couple years ago. Now uh, now the president and CEO. Um, from a cuisine side of it, but like Chris, I like flavors. So Mexican, uh, pizza, Italian, <laughs> you know, those are, uh, those are go-tos for me. Uh, big Chipotle guy. So I eat that about five days a week couple days of pizza. There we go. <laughs> Gotta go. Awesome. Uh, I did want to kick it off. So thank you guys for all sharing about that. Now I'm hungry because I did not have breakfast yet, but <laughs> I'll survive. I got my coffee. Um, why don't you guys kind of start us off by telling us what's the difference between cloud versus on-prem? Those are two terms that we hear quite often, but let's break those down first. You want me to take that one? I can, I can start that out. Um, I mean, Really, now it's different. On-prem means you're going to be uh, having servers and systems uh, within the walls of your business in some location. Could be potentially even a data center, but you own the systems that host your data. Um, you install and support the applications. Maybe you have a contract vendor uh, come in and access your systems to do some support on it. But primarily, you're in charge of hosting the actual compute power and systems for, for that data and system side of it. With a cloud, that means the provider of the application is actually hosting uh, the actual hardware and systems that it's on. So the accessibility, the internet, um, the security around it, those other components are handled by a provider. Yeah, and kind of just extend on that. I mean, I, I think our industry back in, you know, if you look through the, the mid to late 80s when the PC was introduced, we, we, we moved towards client server computing, right? Where we put a server in and we put PCs on the desktop and that was all pretty much on premise because keep in mind back then the internet really didn't exist as a business tool yet. So everything really had to go on premise and we were we were transitioning from mini and mainframe to putting in this client server world, deploying desktops and putting in servers. Now, you know, roll forward 30 plus years and we're, and we're putting we're really driving where the application sits based on where if it's on-prem or in cloud. And I think, you know, to, to we'll talk about this, but I think the the application side is really driving that, that on-cloud or on-prem discussion. And I think more and more in general are being moved to the cloud. But it's funny to look back because 
if you look back 30 years ago, there was applications like ADP payroll application that was already in the cloud, but people really didn't think of it in the cloud. It was just, it lived there. Nobody really thought of it as a cloud app. It was just a payroll app, but it's been in the cloud as long as I can remember. And uh, that that's kind of the, the drive of what's changed and where we're going today that it, it's really application driven. Yeah, it was green screen back in the day. I mean, it was just a terminal, you know, with a modem dial up at, at one point, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of come full circle again. But, uh, you know, I do think the application, you know, provider, that is definitely the, the leading factor. Most application providers nowadays are, um, you know, eliminating their on-premise options. And I think there's a lot of reasons for it, you know, from the support being the big part of it, because it has been, it is difficult to keep on-premise customers on the same versions from a support standpoint and to maintain a lot of uh, versions of, uh, of the application going back and and with the requirement now to have so many security updates and patches, it's just gotten to be too big of a too big of a mountain for them to tackle from resources to continuously go back and patch multiple versions of of their application. So they want to support a consistent application across their customer base. And the best way to do that is host it themselves. And there's obviously benefits for the for the customer at that point too, because it's, that security is a big part of it, real big part of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, just one of the first questions I asked when we're talking to clients about that discussion around cloud versus on-prem and, you know, what's right is, you know, what is, what are those core business applications and where where do they live today? What, what's the future of them? What's the manufacturer doing with them? And if you look at our industry, especially in the last five years, most of those manufacturers of those primary business line of applications are providing them as a cloud-based app for all the reasons Kyle just talked about, you know, control of code, control of versioning, control of upgrades, control of security. So, you know, I think the biggest and 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 probably our biggest transitional product that over the last 10 years has been the migration of the Microsoft platform to the Microsoft Cloud, right? It's an easy example, right? To to host your email on-premise became expensive and difficult and um it was labor intensive. So Microsoft really developed the platform to allow us to move that that application, right? Strictly email, but then they along with that, they gave us all kinds of other things we can do. So that's probably the easiest, right? But it is a change because, you know, like Kyle talked to this to some degree, we're moving our cost from, you know, kind of capital cost, buying gear, putting it in the server room, wherever it may be, to now we're moving to subscription to operational costs where it's it's monthly or annual subscription based. We really don't own any of that gear. We don't have the capital expenditure, but we do have that longer term operating expense and, and subscription based. And now maybe you can add more to that, but it's transitional of how you pay for it. Yeah, yeah that, you know, that operational move and that covers, you know, across the whole use cloud that's typically comes with it there you're moving from capital expense to operational expense chris mentioned whether you pay annually or monthly and it's always you know seat-based licensing typically you're going to have a headcount you have a user they have associated license with their product and services they use which again is 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 a little different the on-premise side of it would have some version but typically you just you'd either you could do per device or per seat and you could do some trips with it annually side of it so you know you had a little more freedom with your licensing on-premise um, across a lot of application sides of it so it was a you know certainly a little more easier to 
work. But, you know, we did also see some concerns with that come up over the years between software audits and different things that come up that you would find that customers would fall behind on licensing or they didn't really know what they had for licensing. It really became a great unknown and they would be audited and, and in some cases a, a really bad surprise of what they would owe <laughs> and what could be very expensive licensing because the product didn't stop you, but um, you could definitely be out of compliance and legally you'd have to true that up. Yeah, and the other piece that, that really, I think, drove a lot of cloud expansion, especially in the last two years, is if, if you look at the pandemic and you look at the workload shift from moving a lot of workload from in-office personnel to remote or home workers, those cloud applications were fairly easy to just turn over and connect to the cloud. The on-premise gear was a little more difficult to move everyone remote and get remote access to all that with the security. So I think that the last, you know, we'll call it two and a half, three years now, have really even pushed harder on that cloud-based experience because the mobility of it, right? It's very easy to attach to that wherever you are. If you're mobile, if you're at home, you're working remote, or you're in the office, the experience is pretty much the same, which is which is really good for a user experience, right? Because in the old days when we had to design these systems to remote access and it was cumbersome and the experience for the users wasn't as good. Now, as the manufacturers build out these cloud apps for that specific purpose of remote access and cloud access, the experience is really good. So that's another thing we talk about. Yeah, that that the last few years, I mean, that's exactly right. Last few years have been huge on that. I mean, you had to adopt to be able to work outside the office because uh, while we had no choice, um, and if your if your systems were all internal or, or or percent of them at least, you had to have some kind of VPN to connect into those systems um, to do that some secure method, and that brought its own challenges to many customers. VPN has overhead; it introduces some performance related issues and and scalability. I mean, a lot of customer systems were only meant to have X, you know, a few number of users working outside the office, so they weren't scaled to have the entire organization come in. So we ran into a lot of scaling challenges that had to be adjusted very quickly during that side. But those customers that had key systems outside, they are, you know, they were already accessing externally for everything. So uh, Chris's point, it was it was a lot easier transition. Uh, so that's made a lot of customers, I think, look at that going, you know, we really need to be able to stand this if it comes again, because it's all fresh of mind right now. People are, you know, if we had to go home again for a period on, you know, if something were to come up again, you'd want to be able to not have that problem. Yeah, you need to look at, the other thing to look at, and, and I don't think a lot of people thought about is you look at our, our traditional voice our traditional telephones and our voice world, right? That that was always a very typical premise-based platform. And then, you know, let's say 10 years ago, we really started to see more and more cloud offerings for that traditional telephone business service, right? And today, I, I think a lot of people don't even really understand that they're running on a cloud phone system and they have been for a number of years. So I think transitions happened in the background to the cloud and some users really don't even understand that they're running in the cloud. And and there again, that transition when that user went to work remote, the transition for the phone system just followed them just like the rest of their apps that were in the cloud. So re really good business, um, you know, experience there. And I think, you know, it, it's made that that cloud acceptance much more adaptable. I think the biggest 
challenges we have are what do you do with the legacy stuff? How do you handle stuff that really just isn't cloud enabled, isn't cloud ready? What do you do with it, right? Because if you were a new business starting from scratch today, I think it would be fairly easy to put it all in the cloud. But yeah. now we've got businesses that have been running technology for 30 plus years, and it's a bunch of different legacy product that may or may not be cloud available. So we have to help them blend what we call hybrid environments where it's still some premise based stuff, but the majority of the move is to cloud. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. There's not, for many customers, it doesn't just happen, you know, just make a switch over a week and you're in the cloud typically. And if, if you're small and you're nimble, as Chris mentioned, you can find cloud applications pretty easy and certainly on a startup, you know, there's tremendous ways. I don't think it's been any easier to start a business than it is in, in 2022. You can literally have a very robust business set of applications and those things without any you know, upfront investment, you just start paying monthly fees and away you go. <laughs> so you can have tremendous power. Um, and, you know, but when you have legacy system sides, I mean, to put those into cloud systems like Azure, AWS, you know, are ways you can make some inroads um, to move those to cloud platforms, um, you know, kind of extend your corporate infrastructure to those cloud platforms that gives you some of the cloud security, cloud scalability, of those platforms without having to build out data center or physical security and power and uptime side of it. Um, many of those legacy systems were predicated being close to it. So you have to bring in some kind of remote desktop technology like you know RDS from Microsoft or virtual desktop solutions of those things where you're connect to that desktop and then access those applications. You know, we still definitely deal with that because it takes time. I mean, substantial investments in those platforms for a lot of customers, and it just takes a lot of time. You know, so many cases we're working with the customers to just plan the transitional because, again, you know, just the want to move doesn't uh, mean you're ready to move. So you can, it takes planning. In many cases, it goes back to that first point, your applications. When your applications are ready, when their provider says that they could move you for an application or you rewrite it, then you can potentially be all cloud. But for many customers, that's a long road. Well, may not even happen. And on the flip side of that, you know, that old legacy premise stuff, there are new apps that are developed now that are only cloud enabled, right? You you, you really can't install them locally anymore on a premise-based platform. So to some degree, I don't think it's a choice anymore. It's really it, look at the application suite, what, what's best for the business, what's best for the business line of business applications, and then based on those applications and their availability is going to drive, you know, if it's more cloud, if it's more prem-based. But if we look forward future-wise, more and more of that is moving to cloud, cloud-based platform um, for all the reasons we've been discussing. But uh, the, the migration and the move is to more cloud, more cloud, more cloud. But that puts you know, that puts, you know, a lot of pressure on some of the other components of the network, right? So connectivity becomes a huge thing. Uh, endpoint management and connectivity and redundancy become that much more important, right? Because if you're a business and you've started and you, all your applications are in the cloud and you're running on a single um, non-business grade internet connection, and that internet connection goes down, you've just lost access to all your core business functionality. So now, we have to shift a lot of our conversation around 
connectivity, redundancy, reliability, and performance of those con public connections because they are now even more important. And to, to even make it more important, if they've moved their phone system to the cloud, not only do they lose access to their primary core data applications, they've lost access to their phones. So connectivity and redundancy has become even more of a hot topic than it was. Yeah, and we've seen that, I think even more, you know, the biggest uh, vertical I see that is in schools. You know, schools have made that transition. Most schools now are pretty much 100% cloud on their applications. Um, and we spend work with them on, you know, a tremendous amount on very, very robust infrastructure. You know, they have, they have very fast, you know, internet connections, redundant internet connections, you know, redundant Wi-Fi. You know, there's redundancies throughout that because, Chris, point, you need to be able to access that for them to be able to teach the students. I think that's a tremendous use case where it's leveraging both those, both those examples, you know, to its fullest. Um, you know, schools have done a remarkable job of doing that. And then, you know, through the pandemic side of it, then, you know, they will the do education outside the walls of the school. You know, the, the, the kids needed internet to be able to get to it. Um, you know, the other component that, that layers on there is the security of it. You know, the security is obviously a big discussion side of it, and that's the other investment that you know, needs to be looked at strongly, because not only do you have to take into account the security of what used to be, you know, on-premise side of it, where you just put a firewall in, you know, and you had your endpoint protection and and that was considered, you know, ample security. Do your patches and go through it. Well, now you have all these access points to your data across these cloud systems. So you have to take a very unified approach and look at single sign-on solutions and other component sides of it where you can unify your usernames and passwords through products like Okta or, you know, Active Directory um, or Azure AD, should call it, um, into, into those areas. And, bring in multi-factor and bring in conditional access where you can geofence, so you can't log in, say outside the United States or in certain locations. You only allow geographically to log in and access. There's all these other controls you want to take into account because the, the, the only thing that's predicated for the core requirement for cloud is internet access. The internet's global. So you have to, you know, the, the threat actors are able to potentially gain access to that data without having to break through a firewall in this case, you know, that you traditionally think to get to your on-premise systems. So you have to have other other ways to measure and protect your data within those cloud platforms. Yeah, and like Kyle mentioned, I mean, it really puts pressure on identity management, access control, you know, who are you, where are you, how do you gain access, is is it you, right? How do we know it's you? If, if, we're, if we're all out remote, we're all in the cloud, how do we know it's you on the other end of the device? So that puts a lot more pressure on the security of identity management, access control, um, multi-factor authentication. So we have some challenge of, is it you? Is it really you out there? And that's, that's some of what Kyle's talking about is how do you do that with all these varied cloud applications that are all over? You really need to put kind of that unified platform in place to help manage that those functions so it, it's just shifted you know really the the, the old you know on-premise client server into more of a global access technology in the cloud and how do you manage how do you secure how do you, re, you, know, you get redundancy and performance things like that become more top of mind yep. yeah it used to be with that identity management um you know active directory has been the legacy one for 
for the last number of decades side of it. And it was even Nobel then before that side of it. But, you know, where is your source, source of truth? Where are your users, um, their information at? And really starting to see, you know, the, um, you know, I like to call it kind of this, the beginning of the death of Active Directory side is starting to occur even in Microsoft's roadmap side of it, where the legacy Active Directory has started to, you know, it has been that on-premise location for your usernames and passwords and systems. But from a security standpoint, it is plagued because it's legacy with a tremendous amount of security holes, you know, and it's being compromised consistently with privilege of, you know, escalation techniques and other sides of it. If they gain access to a device that's within the Active Directory, they're able to get privilege escalation and get administration access through, you know, hundreds of potential vulnerabilities, you know, sometimes thousands if they're old enough. <laughs> it's a it's a big um, it's a big thing to try to try to mitigate from a security person standpoint, and it and it has been a, a problem and it continues to evolve. So you know the answer to that is start to modernize that, and that's your as your Active Directory, it's your Octets, those other you know those other places where those identities can go, and they have more modern approaches that are again cloud based and. Of modern security, they don't have to have the legacy side that Active Directory has carried forward, you know, and and that's usually what plagues legacy systems is they have to support so many far back, you know, the fact that they're doing that also introduces a lot of issues too. So it's the planning through that and how do you make these transitions and how do you continuously grow, um, you know, that we have to work with customers to say how do you start moving forward because you just can't flip a switch and say we're moving over to Azure AD or Okta. It's it's a it's a process. Um, and it takes time. Um, but it, you know it, it's something that you can get there. You just have to start planning for it and give yourself a, a, a give yourself a runway to get there. I know we're coming uh, somewhat uh, up on our time here, Tara and Kelsey, but did, did you have other specific things you want to talk about regarding the you know, is premise the solution, is cloud the solution? Are there other specific things that, that you have on kind of your uh, task list that you wanted us to discuss? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. One of the things I did want to talk about is what these Microsoft subscriptions that we were talking about monthly and annually, um, how do we ensure that our customers are up to date on any end of life or end of um, operating systems? Tell me a little bit about what those subscriptions help with. Well, I, I think anytime you move from, you know, keep in mind, originally we would just buy the license and we would sit on the device and that we would kind of, it was kind of up to the user to say, oh, it's coming into life or we need to upgrade it or we need to change the operating system. When you move to subscription-based, most all those subscriptions are going to require you now to stay up and current because they're going to discontinue supporting the older subscription version you're on. So it does help with that management of those, you know, versions. And, and that's quite frankly, I think one of Microsoft's goals is because for them to support all these different various versions of OS and products is very, very difficult. But if they can subscribe you and they can make you stay fairly current, it helps all of us from a supportability and they're helping us manage, you know, when it's going into life. So in that subscription model, it's a lot easier to help with um, that, that legacy management of, of versioning. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, there was a period of time we, we dealt with a lot of what was called that OEM license or what you bought with the computer stayed with the computer when you ordered it. And, 
you know, the the advent of the subscription side really, really eliminated the, the problem from that. Because what would happen is, is your version of Office was always as old as the computer. And that was the version of Office you had. So you had many customers with, uh, with you know, kind of a tossed salad of Office versions from, you know, multiple year side of it across a five to six year or more span of different office versions and now with subscriptions because point everybody's on the same version it'll automatically stream and everybody stays up to date automatically so you know it really has helped you know from a network administration standpoint of you know knowing that everybody's on the same version and if you're trying to share an excel file you don't deal with the compatibility problems you know so th there has been a, a huge um, problem eliminated with the advent of that for the customers that made the shift. And for us, it's, it's a high percent of them. I mean, we don't have too many customers that aren't using a subscription license in, in some form up there for their Microsoft Office, at least. And even if they still have Exchange on-premise, that component is, is subscribed now. And it's, it's eliminated a lot of support problems. Yeah, it's, I think it's been one of the biggest advantages of the Microsoft 365 platform is that Office version control, right? I mean, I think if we look back 10 years ago, plus when we were buying like Kyle mentioned, licenses, right? We were buying them with the PC or we were buying an open license for our company. That didn't force us to keep up to date, right? All it did is we bought volume licensing on them. But what we ch were challenged with is customers had multiple versions of Office, which led to Kyle's point about different versions of Word documents and Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, the, the one of the huge advantages of Microsoft 365 is has made everyone consistent, right? We're all running the same product. We're all running the same version. That compatibility that we used to deal with 10 years ago has really gone away. And, and that's, now, that's now pushed itself through the whole Microsoft platform. So Microsoft, even if you're gonna continue to run some of their product on an on-premise basis, it's still subscription-based and they're still saying, hey, in order to keep your subscription going, that platform's gonna have to be updated or else it's gonna um, go end the life and it's not gonna be supported, right? So th they've moved, pretty much their whole platform to that model, even if you're going to run it still on premise, which is great. It's easier to manage for us for sure. Yeah. Even even the Windows OS itself is moving in, in that direction, has moved with these feature updates. So those sides of it, I mean, they no longer want to have, they don't want to revisit the XP problem where people stayed on Windows XP for for 15 years. <laughs> it's uh you know, that, that stayed on so long. They want to be able to move the operating system along from the supportability and security of it. So, you know, even the transition, even though they call it, say, Windows 11, it's still a, a, a it's still Windows 10. It's the same core, just continuously refreshed through there with a little different UI refresh on it. But, you know, the the streaming and, and, and operational side of that, that's they're doing the same thing with the Windows OS at this point, too. And they're bringing in the Windows licensing into their Microsoft 365 licensing. So you get, you know, enterprise licensing as part of your subscription, which gives you all kinds of additional security and um, additional, you know, business-based access capabilities. And it's, you know, I, th I think it's great. It allows you to have consistency across that OS as well. It's been another, another challenge. What else, Tara? Well, I was just getting ready to say, let's kind of wrap that up. You know, if you guys want to talk about some key takeaways about this discussion today, um, we'll kind of kick that off and wrap her up and we'll let everybody get back to their day. Yeah, I mean, I think the key things we, we talked about, it's really application driven. You know, where, where are your prime 
business logic applications, right? Are, are they cloud enabled already? Do you have cloud access? Um, so look at the application suite and where, where is it best to, to be housed and supported as we go forward, right? And then and then how do we deal with our legacy stuff? You know, have a plan for that. It is the migration path from the manufacturer that's moving to cloud. So, and then understand supportability around it, right? How do we support, you know, how do we support that hybrid environment? We still have some premise-based stuff, but we maybe don't need all of our, you know, IT support on the premise-based stuff. We need to move that more to cloud-based support. So. I think look at the application, understand your current infrastructure and application, and then have a good roadmap to, you know, what does that cloud integration look? How do we move workload to the cloud and does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's start having the plan. You know, work with your application vendors, understand those, know where know where they're going with their application base or understand are they gonna end the life your applications? Things like Great Plains, for example, have you know, approach end of life side of it. So, you know, Microsoft has dynamics in the cloud at their business central and your customers look at NetSuite. There's all kinds of things you start to start having those planning processes and those will be your be your 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 leaders into making some of these transitions. If you're still on prem with exchange, you know, that may not necessarily be wrong, but you know, consider some of the other benefit sides of it, map those out. Um, you know, if 365 is something you need to get through. We understand customers have made capital investment into infrastructure and systems and licensing, and you want to be able to, to maximize on those investments. But, you know, make the plan. So the next, you know, upgrade around, make sure you do the assessment and look at the, at the full value, stay where it's at before you just reinvest into it as well. Uh, and then to Chris's earlier comment, you know, invest in that infrastructure, you know, and continue to prep yourself for, you know, things like redundant internet, redundant firewalls, you know, build a robust in infrastructure. If you're going to have those things in the cloud, you know, don't don't overlook those those key variable sides with it. Um, and the only last point I, you know, we didn't I didn't get uh, into the conversation side with it. One one other distinct benefit we've seen with the accessibility of cloud applications has been the, the ability for people to work anywhere, any place, which does open up hiring opportunities for companies to be able to open open up hiring. You know, not they don't have to travel to your office. They don't have to be within driving distance of your office either. So, you know, and then this top job market, it does provide some other key benefits there too. Yeah, and we didn't spend a lot of time about the the capex, opex, and the budgeting and the and the cost side of it. I think there is still some confusion on you know total cost of of cloud versus prem. And I think and, and I think. If you look at it from a holistic 50,000 foot view, I don't think either's any cheaper than the other. It's understanding it's a different cost model. And I think there is efficiencies to moving workload to the cloud when you take in total cost of, of operating yeah. that platform. And I think that's one of those bigger benefits. But some of our clients will look at it and say, well, I bought it, I own it, I can run it as long as I want, I don't have to pay subscription forever. But when we start to walk through total cost of all that and supportability, it, it does really shift that conversation that, yeah, it probably makes more sense to move to more cloud-based, subscription-based, and have a predictable cost versus this variable cost over time. So I think understanding CapEx, OpEx, and total cost to operate are, are key pieces that we didn't spend a lot of time, but it does need to be talked about and put into that budgeting process. So 
Yeah, we could probably talk about hour on that one. <laughs> yeah, there's that might there's be a, a whole other podcast about that. But, uh, CapEx, and total cost. <laughs> I would I would concur with Chris. I think when it's all said and done, when we've run the comparison, I think when you take total cost in there, you're going to find, you know, it, there it, it is there isn't much of a cost delta side of it, and you can bring in so many um, other you know soft cost components into the discussion side of it that you need to really take into account. That you know, I I wouldn't let that be the term there because it's just Far more than the initial, this is what I pay for the license, this is what I pay to purchase. That's the difference. You need to take more into account. There's far more there to take into account. Yeah. I think if you look at holistically, there's that that's not a, enough to deter anybody from, from moving. Yeah, that could be a whole nother podcast here talking about cost. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I love that. I know Kelsey and I are going to be like feverishly writing down. We got lots of podcasts coming here just out of this discussion today. But thanks again, Chris and Kyle. Really do appreciate you taking time to talk through um, our subject on cloud versus prem, the SmackDown. Um, as always, you know, we love to talk about technology. So please let us know of any feedback or um, any additional topics you guys would like to hear us talk about. You can visit our website, which is cit-net.com backslash podcast or you can send us an email at info at cit-net.com and we certainly look forward to chatting with you guys more next week have a great day thanks everyone have a great day